0: Takes up the first half of my day, and then this is this begin uh, <laughs> two or three hours that I have to myself to. Well, I used to plan a morning show during this time, and and now I yeah uh, jobs during <laughs> time.
1: This is your me
0: time now. Yep, that's right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Speaking of which, by the way, here's something I hate on job sites. Like the ones for giant companies that don't make it clear whether you are like, say I've already applied for a job with a a biggish company that has one of these huge career portals. And they're like, all right, here's here's the other job that you want to apply for another job. Okay, here's that. All right. Here's the resume from your last job. And now if I delete that or, or in one case it said replace resume, is that going to. Remove it because I go to great pains to write new resumes and new cover letters. Not new resumes, but certainly adjust them for Do each you job. Really? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, most See, of it, Like I, I for... use the same. I use the same PDF resume for everything that I apply for. But then again, I I, I am only like five or so years into my working career, so mm-hmm. I a, a lot of my but most of my experience in the working world can be summed up with a single resume. Still,
0: right. Well, I guess what I you know, like if I was if when I was applying for on air jobs, I would use the exact same cover letter and the exact same resume and just oh yeah search and replace on the company name or station name or whatever. But now that I'm applying for a myriad of different jobs and you know behind mm-hmm. the scenes and, and stuff like that, you know I'm trying to make my experiment uh, experience tailored to that particular position. So I'll highlight certain things, I'll delete certain things that have nothing to do with the job. For instance, in in this case that I'm talking about, there was like a production job, and then there was also like a sales job, and I'm like, well, obviously, <laughs> it do, you know the the sales cover letter and resume isn't necessarily going to fit with the, and plus I I'll put an objection or objection an objective up at the top, and that mm, yeah. will change yeah. each time, you know, so uh, I just I'm I'm so confused. It's on some of these where I'm like. All right. When you say replace resume, that just replace it for my entire profile, and then they're gonna look and go, oh, he doesn't want this job. He wants this other job. Well, oh well, he was perfect for this one, but <laughs> it's the wrong resume. I just don't know. It's uh,
1: it's only gonna replace it for that job.
0: That's what I would think. Like, but
1: yeah, like what like once you have once you have submit for a job, whatever that whatever you submit for that job, that's what that job sees.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Okay,
1: I'm. I'm almost positive. I mean, I've been doing this for long enough. You think yeah. I should know? <laughs> um, but my God, if uh, yeah, if you like replace it, but you've already submitted it for the other job, and it's and it changes it for the thing you've already submitted. That's not to your knowledge. Yeah, th- th- be that's not up. your. That's not your objective. You know. Yeah. That's yeah. Not, that's not. That's not cool.
0: Hopefully, they would let you know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's probably buried in the terms and conditions. Uh. All right. Well, should we get going?
0: Might as well, yeah. Alright, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning.
1: It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld
0: for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 8, Episode 18, The Nap. Uh, but before that, what is the deal with stuff from our previous episode, which was The English Patient. Uh, while I wait for my notes to load. Hang on a second. While I wait for my notes to load, how did you watch this episode? On DVD, right?
1: Uh, I actually had a little bit of free time before we recorded our English patient episode, so I got ahead before they left Hulu. Aha! Yeah, That's so nice. this was the nice. this was the final episode that I was able to watch on Hulu, which, uh, of course, uh, as of this record and release, is no longer available.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're waiting now the countdown to at least some announcement from Netflix. Like, I'd love to hear. Maybe they're just like waiting for. <laughs> Just anticipation to reach a fever pitch, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess that's what it is.
1: <laughs> Did you see what I put in the description for uh, last week's episode? I don't think so. Well, I had been including the countdown to Netflix is on, uh, just like an exact dates so of like, oh yeah, it's only got like this many days until it's on, uh, until it's uh, off of Hulu, uh, and we were promised it on Netflix by the end of June, so expect it between this day and this <laughs> day. I just striked through all of that, left it in because I thought it was funny, and just wrote, uh, no Seinfeld on streaming, make Tim and Ted something, something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, very accurate. I I watched it on, I bought, uh, so I watched, I should have probably just bought, even though I only need four episodes, I should have just bought the entire season 18 because I think it's like 20 bucks. And since we have this one, and I think we have four more episodes left, and to watch them in HD is like $3. <sighs> so, essentially, That's I'm... so I'm, dumb. Yeah. And and really, and here's the thing about uh, Google's HD. It's still 4 3 It's not even full screen. Are you kidding
1: me? <laughs> oh, no, God. I
0: know. I was like, what did I pay for? So, the next one I watch, I don't know if I'll... I, I don't know whether I'll just continue to buy the whole season or, or just yeah. buy it piecemeal and well, then buy all of season <laughs> 19. I don't know.
1: I'll tell you what, though uh watching a little bit back on the DVDs cuz i have the quality is absolute shit it does yeah. not hold up <laughs> like wa- watching it on watching it on my 4k tv it looks awful <laughs> so wh- whatever whatever hulu did that we just like couldn't notice cuz cuz it had probably been a long time since you had seen these episodes originally or yeah. just uh on on cable or something what Hulu did was great because y- you couldn't tell that it was as old as it was. But watching them on the DVDs, which uh, I-, I think I-, I think this set was released in 2007, is a significant difference.
0: Wow! Yeah, I um. I might just pay for a standard definition next time just because there's no point in it. seemed pretty pointless, but I, maybe I just uh, I'm interested to have that experience. Now, the one that you did, like, oh, my gosh, like throwing in a DVD that just, you know, was made 15 years ago or whatever. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. Maybe the maybe we'll appreciate I don't pay for the 4K tier on Netflix. And we're still not clear whether you need that. I would imagine you do. When you need the 4K subscription to watch it that way, but I'll be curious to see if that makes a huge difference when it's on Netflix.
1: I I just want to know what it's going to look like. Like, I I don't want to stay subscribed to the 4K tier for for any reason. But what what can you do? It's a a 23 year old show at its newest.
0: Yeah. If anything, it's just gonna it's gonna it's gonna cross whatever valley and look. Shitty, you know, like remember when yeah. you first got an HD TV and everything looked like it was a soap opera? Mm hmm, hmm. Like, Although, that's what I, it's gonna be.
1: I will say, um, I just got back from a bachelor party weekend, and uh, when we got there, one of the nights we threw the TV on, and it was uh, a TV with a really high uh refresh rate, yeah. So, we had Dazed and Confused on, and it, it looked it, it had that effect, you know what I'm talking about, like where. Almost like you're watching a video on an iPhone. Like, it, it had the super high... Yeah. Uh, I, do, I don't know, like, what to call it. Like, what is happening? Why it looks different. Are you, you think, know I
0: mean, is it that... Uh, we might be, same, we, we I, might be thinking of the same...
1: We might be thinking of the same thing, yeah.
0: I think we might be, yeah. Because I remember first getting an HDTV, and, and I'm like, oh, this... You know, I tried to, like tell myself it looked amazing even though it really did look like a soap <laughs> opera yeah um, and I don't, I don't know why soap operas look so different for that matter um but yeah people would come over and they'd be like why does it look so weird i'm like i don't know i just paid a lot <laughs> for it okay so it looks good this it is look, what real life looks like
1: <laughs> it, it looks good and that's what i'm sticking with
0: yeah, yeah. and then everyone eventually got used to Everyone, but i think that's because we were watching old stuff on in a medium that it was never meant to be seen in, you know, like those uh-huh. those inconsistencies and and the the poor quality of of film and stuff like that, and the way it was shown, it's just part of it, you know. And they the p- directors watched that and they went, "Oh, it looks great," never thinking that it would be remastered later. and We're going to see makeup lines and all sorts of weird stuff, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or that it would be widened, you know, like okay, here's the way I want to shoot it and frame it and everything. No, we're going to widen it now. Like, what? Well, don't do that. Like, I shot it that <laughs> way for a reason, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's going to be. It's I want I, the the main question I think everyone wants to know is: Are we going to be see be able to see Elaine's nipple on the Christmas card? I think that's the number oh, one. Oh man! The first thing we check.
1: <laughs> well, I, I tell you, like in episode two, you were able to make up, uh, or you were able to make out like some so, some definite, like, scenes in that adult video. Yes, so, yeah, So I, yeah. I wonder, I wonder what the 4K edition is going to look like.
0: Yeah, those are going to be crystal clear. Yeah.
1: God. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so, but the other thing about watching it on Google is just how inconvenient it is to, you know, I was casting it to my TV, and so anytime I wanted to rewind, I had to unlock my tablet, then rewind it, and then, like, try to keep the tablet on so I didn't have to unlock it again Ugh. once I was ready to hit play again, or if I needed to go back further, you know, it like, it, that that was really inconvenient. I liked just being able to hit rewind and fast forward on, on a remote like I did with Hulu and and hopefully, like, I will with Netflix. Yeah, yeah. So what is the deal with stuff from our last episode, The English Patient? We wanted to know first the waitress that we saw in that scene with George ordering at the counter. She gives him a halibut omelet. Uh, her name is, Oh, have we seen her before? That's the main question. Her name is Lauren Elizabeth Bowles, and she is 48, uh, American actress. Get this. Her half-sister on her mother's side is Julia Louis-Dreyfus. No way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of cool yeah uh in 2004 she married actor patrick Fischler, who you would recognize if you looked up i don't know what from but he's definitely just one of those actors that i think he was in a bunch of madman episodes and some lost maybe um but yeah de- definitely one of those guys who's just got you know the guy in that thing he's one of those guys they met in college well she went to nyu for drama and we have seen her before on seinfeld she was in nine episodes total oh god okay Yeah, so before this, we saw her in season two, episode five, in an uncredited role as blonde, long-haired woman, and then starting in season six, she started working at Monks. Uh, So she was in The Big Salad, The Pledge Drive, The Race, The Foundation, and The English Patient, and we'll see her in three more episodes before the end of the series, Uh, one more in season eight, and two more, uh, two at the end of season nine, in the second half of season (laughs) nine, yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So
0: I don't know which episode you recognized her from, but we have we'd seen her uh, six times.
1: I I, it, I can't even say that it was an episode that I recognized her from. Yeah. I was just like something in the back of my brain was like, you've seen her before.
0: Yeah. I'm like,
1: I I, I have from what? Don't know. But you've seen her
0: before. <laughs> just walking around monks. We've we've just been to monks <laughs> that many times. God. <laughs> Uh what about the English patient the uh, the where we get the episode name the movie has a lot to do with the episode it did win best picture at the 69th academy awards 11 days after <laughs> this episode aired by the way yeah i know <laughs> i know <laughs> 11 days after this episode, it won Best Picture. And it's a 1996 epic romantic war drama directed by Anthony Minghella from his own script based on the 1992 novel of the same name. It got 12 nominations in all at the Oscars and it won nine Uh, in addition to Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actress for Juliette Binoche. And it was also the first to receive a Best Editing Oscar for a digitally edited film. Uh, Mm. So here's what it's about In the final days of the Italian campaign of World War II, Hannah. A French-Canadian nurse of the Royal Canadian Army Medical Corps gains permission from her unit to move into a bombed-out Italian monastery to look after a dying, critically burned man uh, who was in a plane crash. He speaks English but can't remember his name. His only possession is a copy of Herodotus's Histories with notes, pictures, and mementos contained inside. His past is shown in flashbacks, revealing an involvement in a fateful love affair. And the, the film does have a certified fresh rating of 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, based okay. on eighty-eight reviews, and the critical consensus is: though it suffers from excessive length and ambition, the adaptation is complex, powerful, and moving. And much is made of the length of the movie in the in the episode that we watched, and it is two hours and forty-two minutes long.
1: Oh my God, that's that's not even long by today's yeah, standards.
0: These days, yeah, I agree.
1: I mean, it it's long. I, I wouldn't want to sit down and watch that movie, but that it's. Uh, I, I should say it's not unusual.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like when you think about long. something like Wolf of Wall Street or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or God, you know, movie. Yeah, movies like that that are just you know these. It, there was a, a sea change. I, I remember the first movie that I saw where I was like, "How long is this fucking thing?" Yeah, and it was The Patriot, starring Ugh. Mel Gibson. <laughs>
1: and, have you ever uh, like not even like watching the whole thing, but have you ever sat down and watched a part? Of a very long movie on cable, probably. Oh God, it's um, it's torturous. <laughs> I watched part of Wolf of Wall Street. Oh my uh, gosh! On cable, came back three hours later and was watching the same airing of it.
0: <laughs> so the Patriot is 164 minutes, which is two hours, like two and three quarter hours. So that's the first time I remember going to a movie in the theater and going, what, are, what? Are, are you serious? Like, how long is this thing? <laughs> um, and that, so that's and that was two thousand. So maybe that's where I'd put. You know, when when people started going like, oh, okay, yeah, make it as long as you want. Sure, why not? But yeah, two hours and forty two minutes is people don't blink at it these days. Um, and I was curious. Uh, maybe someone else is like, oh, I wonder what the longest best picture is ever. And do you have a guess? Um, I, I do not. Titanic. Did Titanic win? uh titanic did win best picture i want to say but it is not titanic okay it is gone with the wind which oh. is three hours and 41 minutes holy shit is it yeah. really <laughs> that's yeah that's that's without the music now gone with the wind was made at a time in 1939 when there's like an overture there's an intermission there's an act after intermission that gets you back into it so all this music and stuff so when you include all of that it's 3 hours and 54 minutes.
1: <laughs> oh my god.
0: Yeah. I I'd, I'd so, be needing uh, I'd be needing a nap in that intermission. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that'd be useful. I don't even know if I've watched that all in one sitting. I I probably have, but that's I mean 4 hours. Set that, set aside 4 hours of your life. Lawrence of Arabia was 3 hours and 42 minutes. So, but with all of its additional elements it was 3 hours and 52 minutes if counting the film itself Lawrence of Arabia was the longest of the two contenders the longest running best picture nominee was Cleopatra at just over 4 hours but it did not win yeah so i don't know maybe it's maybe it's not as much of a recent thing as i thought there must have been like back in the day back in the day people were just amazed to see movement and audio coming from the screen you know so they were like they could watch forever, like oh, I, I never want this to end. Yeah, but well, then, like, then there was that, a dip.
1: <laughs> yeah, not not that it wasn't done. It was just unusual uh, in in how common it was.
0: Yeah, like think about when you like when you first played a video game. You were probably like, oh, I could, I could do this all like because that was new technology. Like when mm-hmm. when video games were first introduced or or whatever. Um, <laughs> so it's, I think it's the same thing where they were just amazed by motion pictures and so they're like oh yeah look at this
1: whoa <laughs> like, wh- whenever whenever i was a teenager uh i was like oh it's only like eight hours of a campaign this is bullshit <laughs> now um I-, I don't know if you're familiar with g4 the, the old cable channel they- they're-, oh, I they're loved it they're coming back what? um and, uh, yeah yeah and uh they're releasing like a bunch of youtube videos and adam Sessler is back oh. and uh i i share his opinion he's like as a uh, as an adult, no game is short enough, <laughs> or, or what do you see? It's like no game is too short.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I can appreciate that. I love. I you know. I I hated when they kind of introduced. You know, like all the extra stuff that you can get afterwards. Like, all right, now beat the game facing backwards to the TV and you get this medal. Like, (laughs) shut up. Why don't I don't want to, you know, or like, all right, you got you got to finish 100% of the game. It's like it used to be when when you finish the game, that was 100%, you know, yeah. now it's like, no, you didn't find all the crowns that were hidden in the alleyway. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, I guess Adam Sessler and I are probably about the same age. so I'm only just guessing. He always looked like the I oldest think, of them all.
1: I think yeah. you're about the same age. I mean he plays the old guy now, uh yeah. ten <laughs> ten years after G four went off the air.
0: Yeah. As long as they bring back Kevin Pereira, like I'm totally in. Oh man, Adam's forty seven. Okay, that, that makes oh, me feel geez. great. Yeah.
1: Uh, Pereira is back, but oh, yes. uh, definitely like in a more limited role. They- they're now focusing a lot on like younger Twitch streamers yeah. and and other like media personalities who are really big into video games. Yeah, uh, like they have I, I forget their names, Avli May and Frost, who are two big Twitch streamers. They were like two of their first
0: announced Ooh. hosts or something. Cool. So is this what uh, Paramount Network is going to be now? <laughs> I feel like they need a rebrand. <laughs> now we're G4. We're Jeez. G4 again. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, that's cool. Is, is it's going to be like an actual cable channel or is it going to be like a streaming thing or what?
1: Uh, eventually, it's going to be a cable channel. Right now, they're oh, okay. like uh, rebuilding interest back up and like solidifying... Uh, host lineups and shows and other stuff. I'm sure, much like the original G4, it's going to be 90% cops
0: and, <laughs> and, and uh,
1: Ninja Warrior reruns. Yeah, yeah. But well, I'll, I'll tell you, one one uh, game show I hope they really bring back, not Ninja Warrior, but Unbeatable Bonzuke.
0: Oh, yeah. You me- do you remember yes. that? That shit ruled. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I, God. I totally remember the name, but I don't remember
1: it was like ninja warrior in in the aspect of like it's uh competitors oh, yeah. on an obstacle course but think of like where ninja warrior is like big climb a fucking volcano yeah you're gonna gonna be launched 100 feet across this river this is like okay you need to stand on one foot and hop yes. 50 feet or something yeah like that. or
0: hand walk up a ramp or yeah on the- or across the dominoes, or whatever, run across the dominoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I because it was all indoor.
1: Ma- yeah, could you imagine that shit now with like <laughs> drone cams? Oh my god.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like the three sixty matrix cam view. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I loved the original Ninja Warrior too. Like the American version's fine, but I don't know. There was something about that original one that I that I just loved. You know, the the dubbed version.
1: Yeah, I, I think like I, as soon as they started a. a th- fully American version of it. I'm not talking about like qualifying show in America and then like the winners are going to go to Mount Midoriyama in Japan. That was still kind of cool. As soon as they had everything in America, the show lost uh, a bit of its luster, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I always feel that way because I loved the original Iron Chef too, the dubbed Iron Chef that they used to show on Food Network and then they made their own, which again was fine, but I don't know. There was just something about that dubbed version, the original that I felt was, just done so well and when they put that american shine on it it did the op- it had the opposite effect you know what I mean? yeah it's like yeah. it can't always be made better by throwing more money at it it's just it just already was great uh, but at least they brought i think they brought that original chairman from the the japanese version so that was good man sweet i'm all psyched for some g4 action now i'm gonna go <laughs> watch some like best of youtube clip shows after this <laughs> i'm sure there's some some classic moments up there So we had a very special guest on this episode, Lloyd Bridges, and we wanted to do a short dive on him, uh, comedy legend, of course, acting legend. He uh, died in 1998 at 85, so probably not soon after this episode aired, maybe like uh, it was March of 98, so we were pretty much about a year from his death at this point, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Something like that, yeah. Uh, he had small, uncredited roles in the films Freshman Love in 1936 and Dancing Feet in the same year. Then he made his Broadway debut in 1937 in a short-lived production of Shakespeare's Othello. Then in 1940, Bridges joined the stock company at Columbia Pictures at $75 a week. So that's how long he goes back. He goes back to the days when like <laughs> studios just had a pool of actors, and it's like, yeah, I work for Columbia. It's like It was like a day job. You just go God. and like... Wait to be called and you make 75 bucks a week And and they're like oh we need uh, You know somebody who looks like Lloyd Bridges Like oh you you're perfect All right, Oh perfect I look like Lloyd Bridges (laughs) And I remember they also called them like stables Where they're the paramount stable of actors Like they were literal racehorses or whatever Yeah (laughs) Or workhorses anyway um, and he had small roles and features and short subjects. He left Columbia Pictures during World War II to enlist in the U.S. Coast Guard. So that's pretty badass. Then he starred in his own CBS anthology series, The Lloyd Bridges Show, uh, in 62 that, uh, <laughs> that went for a year. And it was produced by future TV mogul Aaron Spelling. Or I guess he was probably current mogul at the time, even in the 60s. I don't know. But, you know, he went on to do Melrose Place. I think that was an Aaron Spelling show.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, so uh, interesting. And that included appearances by his also famous sons, Bo Bridges and Jeff Bridges. Uh, And Bridges had his biggest film hit in a long time when he was in Airplane in 1980, which was a spoof of disaster films. And I wonder if – I wasn't able to get a beat on it, but I do wonder if he was one of these guys like Leslie Nielsen who was in these – like, not always doing comedy or whatever, but then – they cast a very serious actor in those, like, Leslie Nielsen was a serious actor, and they cast him in Airplane as this, like, serious buffoon, and then he was like, oh, I guess I can do this. Uh, I guess it can be <laughs> comedy as long as I'm, like, serious about it. And So I, I don't know if Lloyd Bridges was the same way, but his last roles were in Mafia, which was a spoof of Mafia movies with Jay Moore, and Meeting Daddy, which came out posthumously in 2000. So yeah, Mafia in 1998 came out after he was uh, after he'd already passed, so there's like a dedication to him in there, but there we go, a little dive on Lloyd Bridges. Now what about all that big crepe money that came from the Magic Pan? The Magic Pan is, by the way, a small American chain of fast food and takeaway creperies using the recipes of a now closed chain of full service restaurants that specialized in crepes, popular in the Early seventies through the early nineties, which peaked at 110 locations in the U.S. and Canada. Ooh, yeah. Uh, so the the Magic Crepes uh, of that era were like those sit-down restaurants, like Jerry and Elaine, and everybody's at at the end of the at the end of the episode. The first Magic Pan was a small place on Fillmore Street in San Francisco, established not by the Mandelbombs, but by Hungarian immigrants Laszlo and Paul- Paulette Fano. Then, in uh, they they went through various owners. I think um, Quaker Oats bought them at one point. But in 2005, the Magic Pan name was reintroduced by a, a fast food group as a crepe stand in Northbrook, Illinois. And the resurrected versions don't have the crepe making machine used in the original chain. Instead, they just use recreations of the original recipe. So the Revive chain opened a second location in the food court of the Mall of America. I didn't check to see if that one is still open. I probably should have, but I did check about these. Uh, There's a company that currently operates Magic Pan in the U.S. airports, including Denver, which is still there. So there is a Magic Pan in Denver. Wow. Yeah, in the Denver airport and Washington National. And it was in Terminal B slash C, at least as recent as 2015, because that's the, the most recent map I could find. But I don't know if it's just not open currently, because there's still, like, you know, they, they have, like, here's the restaurants that are open, but they don't list the ones that are closed because of, like, mm. COVID, in okay, other words. Yeah, so, they're yeah. like, here's what's running right now. Here's what has shortened hours. And it's not on any of those lists. So, I don't know whether the one in Washington National is still there. And so, Ted, I think you and I have to go to Denver. I don't want to risk going to D.C., even though it's closer, and then it not being there. I think we might as well just go to Denver.
1: Well, why don't we hit Mall of America on our way to
0: Denver? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, Great road idea. trip. Yeah, yeah. And then, I guess, if it's still in Mall of America, then... We don't then even we go to we can turn around. <laughs> yeah, we can turn around when we get there. <laughs> um, among the menu items, start thinking now: uh, are chicken divan, chicken elegante, which is in quotes, so I don't know what that means. Uh, crepe Suzette, <laughs> crepes filled with spinach and mushroom souffle. Wait, 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 wait! You, you said yeah. you
1: said chicken elegante was in quotes. Yeah. Was it elegante or was it chicken that was in quotes? Because that's important. The whole
0: phrase. Oh, that's not <laughs> yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, they made up. They made up the whole thing. <laughs> Uh, strawberries and sour cream, which sounds gross. I don't know why you have to put Ew. sour cream on strawberries. Chantilly cream. I don't know what that is. Coffee, chocolate sauce, ice cream, and cherry royale. So I don't know. Do you, Are you a crepe fan? Do you like savory or sweet or both? Do you have a, um, a preference?
1: I, I'm definitely a sweet person. That coffee, yeah. chocolate sounds good.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a, a crepe food truck that stops in our park every now and then, and uh, we've gotten some good, like, Nutella, peanut butter, Crepes, yeah. Oh man, Good stuff, yeah. So the restaurant designed an automatic system to make crepes at a crepe station, consisting of a motorized conveyor that would heat up metal pans. The conveyor was like this circular wheel about normal table height, I guess, so you could stand behind it. Think of it like a table you'd stand behind and be able to work at, and it slowly turned and held eight pans at one time. So think of like upside down frying pans. So an attendant would dip the bottom of the pans in the crepe batter and then turn the pans upside down and put them on the gas flame conveyor, and then the the crepes would actually cook on the bottom of a clean and greased pan that's facing upward. So it's just, yeah, it seems like kind of a roundabout way of of doing things, but, you know, I I guess it was part of the appeal, too, like to see them make the crepes on this automated wheel that would go around. So the one at Columbus and West 81st that we saw in Seinfeld is now in Uno's Pizzeria, or at least the last time the Google car drove by it. And that's everything you needed to know about Magic Pan. (laughs) Uh, And that's all the homework that we had. Uh, But here's some more trivia and tidbits from the episode. The people who appear on the theatrical poster for Sack Lunch are Seinfeld producer Tim Kaiser and his family. So that's pretty cool. Oh, whoa. Yeah. I would love to be like one of those kids and be like, yeah, you know, I'm in an episode of Seinfeld, NBD. Yeah, cover of Sack Lunch. The scene, this is kind of interesting because I didn't notice... I didn't notice this. I just sort of wrote it off as why they would be going to see the movie during the workday anyway. But a scene in which Elaine and Jay Peterman finish watching The English Patient and Peterman proposes they watch it again and take notes on the clothing so they can add it to the catalog was deleted before the broadcast. So as a result, the finished episode implies that Elaine's outburst occurred during her second viewing of The English Patient rather than her third. And it does leave Peterman's remark kind of unexplained, like, I hope you're watching the clothes, Elaine, because I can't take my eyes off the passion. But I just kind of wrote that off as seeing that movie a second time would be torture for Elaine, and you know, Jay Peterman would be interested in the clothes because they're like all these World War II era warm weather linen sort of yeah, flow-y yeah. stuff that would be in his catalog. So I didn't really see it as a plot hole, but it's interesting that there was they did try to explain it, but then they they probably looked at it and went, oh, you know, we don't really need it.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it works without it. Yeah, um, But I mean, even if it was in there, that's a twenty second scene that that's nothing, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, like we should watch it again, yeah, that's true. the second so and so here's why, if you notice this, eagle eyed viewers might have the second time Elaine and Mr. Peterman are in the movie theater, they're surrounded by different people than the first time they're seen, both in front and behind, so I didn't really even notice any of the extras, but if you if you watch the you know the first scene in the theater and then the second scene in the theater, there's new people. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't even notice that, and I, you know, I, I guess no, I guess they figured nobody else would either because they were like, oh, it's different extras. What do we do? It's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. <laughs> so Neil, as we know, was played by Jeffrey Kurt Miller uh, in this episode, and not only was he in a couple of previous episodes, but he was also George, uh, or I guess Jason Alexander's stand-in for season six through nine. So that's how much he even looks like George. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was pretty funny. This episode is the first with scenes set in Florida that does not include Jack Ah, uh, in, Yeah, he's been a part of every visit to Del Boca Vista up until this point, I guess. So, yeah, I I can't remember when he passed away, um, but maybe they were just worried about another medical emergency in the parking lot like last time.
1: Well, I mean, this episode was based around medical emergencies, too. That's so. true.
0: That's true. There would have been an ambulance there, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, this is the last of the five episodes of the entire series where Kramer says yes when answering a question instead of a slang variation like giddy up or whatever he says, you know. <laughs> so I, I know I've mentioned that little weird bit of trivia before, but uh, this is it. And I didn't notice once again. I can't even tell you in the script where it is. Um, and I'm sure last time we talked about it, we agreed that like, oh, I'm going to listen for that. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, <you> know? probably. <laughs>
0: Uh, Didn't catch it, not at all. (laughs) Yeah, did not catch it. According to something Ted can watch now, the DVD inside look feature, the IV pull at the end of the scene was ad-libbed by Jason Alexander during filming. And I always hate facts like this because they seem so unbelievable. Like, that seems like such a good... Otherwise, what? The scene ends with him just walking out, like, after Neil says, I won... And yeah. like, why didn't why didn't the director go? All right, awesome, we got it. And like, like Jason st- starts sticking his hand back in. Like, whoa, oh, Jason, what are you doing? You, you came back into the door. like, can you really do that on a set? And and or was it like he improvised it the first time, or he came up with the idea and asked the directors like, hey, you know what? Keep rolling. I got an idea for this thing. It just seems like so unlikely whenever when there's such a pivotal moment. And how many times have you heard that about a movie or a TV show? Like, you know, that was improv right? Uh, like, for instance, <laughs> um, the uh. Well, maybe that's maybe that's a bad example. The, uh, the like the Joker walking away from the hospital explosion, like and, and the, oh yeah,
1: and like the, mashing the, the button because the explosion didn't
0: go off. Yeah, the explosion didn't go off or whatever. People are like that was improv. Like, and no, I it, I'm pretty sure that Nolan came out and said like, no, it was all set up or or whatever. It's like one of those internet facts. But anytime there's like a, a pivotal moment in a scene like that, people are like that was improv. It's like, <laughs> well, I don't. It can't be. You know, like uh, it reminds me of listening to Office Ladies and and all of those iconic lines. Like people must have just thought the writers were like sitting on their thumbs. Like you know what? Let the actors go out there and just invent a show. Because people ask all the time, "Was that improv? Was that improv? Like, like uh, no. no, it was written. No. It was. In we had script. good writers. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah, do you like, think the show has such a lasting
1: impact? It wasn't because of improv.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was. It wasn't
1: because someone took a couple of classes
0: at Second City. You fuck yeah it's like was that improv like anytime like and uh ted h and tim m and sr all wrote in and they wanted to know was that improv like that's always the question that was asked like i'm sure they probably have like an off mic back and forth like
1: oh was (laughs) that improv fucking idiots
0: Every time they, they start rattling off names of people who ask a question, I I always try to guess the most stupid question that they could <laughs> ask. This is a game I play with with the the podcast in the car that keeps me awake. Like one time, I tweeted, um, "Like office ladies questions are like this: Did Steve Carell really bang Jenna Fisher's mom, or was that improv or whatever?" <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. Take that. Uh, take that with a grain of salt. Or watch the inside look feature. Maybe more info. There's more info about it. But finally, Earl Schumann, who plays Izzy Mandelbaum Jr., was born on February 24th, 1916. His dad, in the episode Lloyd Bridges, was actually only a little over three years older. Born January 15th, 1913. So they're three years apart, which Jeez. which is just makes that actor's casting even more hilarious. Because <laughs> he's only three years younger than the guy playing his dad. But, you know, they, they write it off as, I got married in high school or whatever. <laughs> so it's supposed to be 10 years. But, yeah, he's he's uh, he was an old timer by then. So, all right. That's it. All right. Do we have any, like, news or anything? Uh, the only bit, and I have a bit of uh, sort of personal, but sort of uh, news, Seinfeld news. I got a notification today that my Seinfeld Funko apartment Jerry figure and set is arriving tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Oh, whoa. Okay. Yes, tomorrow by ten p.m. My what do they call this thing? The um, it's the you know, it's the Seinfeld apartment. Yeah, Jerry's apartment with Jerry Funko mini moments. There you go. Okay. Okay. Is Is it like a,
1: a Funko with like a mini like? presentation stage to put it on yes it's the
0: and jerry is in the computer his little computer office uh, of his apartment and it may come with a variant figure either i get jerry in a blue shirt and slacks or i get jerry in the puppy shirt oh yeah and i'm gonna record like an unboxing or something i don't know what i'll do with it but um i'm gonna open it up i'm opening this motherfucker up I'm not a collector like that. I I play with my toys. Um and I did I kinda wish I had now because I, I pre ordered this for like, I don't know, nine bucks yeah. uh when I was still employed. And like I really wish I had just popped on the whole fifty dollar set now. Because yeah. I, I, I like pre ordered a bunch of stuff when I still had a job. When you and had so, the money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like when money was still coming in. And now I'm kinda glad that I did because like past Tim really for the first time did future Tim a favor by like you know, ordering concert tickets or, you know, getting this Seinfeld thing <laughs> or, or, you know, the special edition album for, uh, you know, or whatever I've pre-ordered, like stuff's going to be showing up and it's like, huh, I wonder what sucker paid for this because I don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, pass Tim. Thanks for the present, buddy. <laughs> it's really great. So yeah, that, that's coming. And uh, I don't know, you, maybe we can talk about what to do with the, uh, how to, how to unveil it and do the unboxing um, later. But there you go. All right. Anything else? I think that's it. All right. If you've never listened to
1: us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last, oh, boy, 37 minutes uh, being uh, pretty much all research (laughs) and and extra off-topic bullshit. Um, Yeah. I have never seen these episodes before. Tim has never never seen these episodes before in chronological order. After being a lifelong fan for years, if we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If it is not Apple Podcasts, just send us a screenshot so that we can see it. Uh, And we will send you an awesome holographic, no-hugging, no-learning sticker, free of charge. We just need your mailing address. And again, if you don't want your review to be public, you can just email us. That's totally fine, and we'll send you something. We'll, We'll work something out. All right, that being said, season eight, episode 18, The Nap, original air date, April 10th, 1997. I was four years, three months, and 21 days old. And Tim, if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left, we have 27 episodes until we become a, hear me out on this. Okay. Real-time, three-plus-hour movie on cable (laughs) review podcast.
0: (laughs) I'm down. I'm yeah, every movie <laughs> we watch has to be 3 hours without commercials is what you're yes, saying. Yes, at yeah. least, yes. I love it. <laughs> Can I tell you what I I love Comedy Central's new branding, movies with breaks. I think that's so funny. I think when brands lean into what people normally hate about them and like kind of make it funny like that. Have you seen that that campaign? No, I haven't. I yeah, like, they're that like though. Yeah, it's fu- that's funny. Like movies with breaks. They're like watch your favorite movie with commercials. It's like that's like so much old school of media is like pretending like stuff doesn't exist. Like like when Ugh. when radio stations make their entire identity and no, no the fewer commercials we have less commercials. It's like well you know what the the one that plays nine minutes of commercials yeah. each time is still kicking your ass. So that's not doing it. You know what I mean? Like so I like when they and and it's not that those stations are leaning into it. There's other reasons, but you know it's just I I, I just like that when when they when companies lean into like well <laughs> we're not going to not have commercials why pretend like call it movies with breaks or whatever or like you know this was a, a a less ironic example but nbc's ad campaign for reruns which was true if you haven't seen it it's new to you yeah like around <laughs> this time they were like plugging that non-stop and people were making fun of it because a lot of people were watching those episodes the first time but it's true if you haven't seen it it's new to you you know <laughs> so they were like we're playing reruns but you know what Maybe you've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know how I started talking about, oh, our new podcast idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm
1: down. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you're looking at TV Guy the night of April 10th, 1997, you are going to see George discovers how to take a nap at work and not get
0: caught. Okay, I, I like just like last week. I can already see how we can make it better, but let's wait till the end to see if we can make it even better than that. Our cold open this week we start with Jerry and George sitting outside a coffee shop, but not the coffee shop, uh, yeah. not Monks, a, a different coffee this shop. This was yeah. real weird. <laughs> yeah, especially because where the episode starts out, even though it's not the same day, it's, yeah, it's still, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So they're outside, and this coffee shop I think is the one they use when they need like somebody to walk out. We've seen Kramer coming out of this coffee shop when because it's the one that he gets free coffee at. Okay. And also it's the one that christine taylor's friends come out of in that episode that they're walking by so it's just part of their city set uh and they just happen to be chilling outside of it but it's just funny that sometimes they want coffee from somewhere else (laughs) they don't want it at monks and george is talking about how manslaughter is the lowest murder charge that you can get uh he calls it the most socially acceptable form of murder manslaughter even though it's like just got such a brutal name
1: yeah i've thought this exact thing before
0: yeah, and he was like, "I don't." He tries to rebrand it. What about uh, inadvertent life ending or unintentional snuff out? <laughs> and then Jerry says, "How about I can't believe it's not murder?" <laughs> <laughs> Which this whole thing sounded like a Jerry Seinfeld stand-up bit just made into a dialogue.
1: It does. You're right.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. it, it I think he it could have been delivered solo on that little stage, but I know we don't do that anymore. But yeah, th- that that is. It's a great point. I mean, it sounds like a metal band or something. Manslaughter. And then it just came up recently, I don't know in what context, but I was just watching another show where they were, like, talking about manslaughter and how somebody pointed out it could look like man's laughter. Yeah. Does that sound I, familiar to you? What was I, I watching? I, I
1: don't remember that, but I
0: remember, like, a long time
1: ago, I was young, I was, like, I, I think I saw, like, a, an early version of a meme on, like, Facebook or something that was, like, you can't spell slaughter without laughter. I'm like, yeah. oh, God, that's grim. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I can't. There's no way I'm going to figure that out. I have no idea what I was watching. But yeah, it, it's, it's just funny that it came up on another show that I was watching. So we open at the coffee shop. We leave the the coffee shop and we open at the coffee shop. And George is very tired. He was up till 4 a.m. watching the Omen trilogy. Does that mean he watched like three movies in one night? I guess so. <laughs> like, I've been sucked into watching a movie
1: before. I've never yes. finished one movie especially like on cable I'm like well i guess i have to watch the next one right now
0: yeah like if i if i'm on my catch the end of a movie if i catch the beginning of a movie on cable or something i have no desire or need to finish it most of the time if i start one in the middle i'll sometimes like oh, i'll go to bed when it's over or whatever yeah um, but i've never sat down and like yeah time to watch lord of the rings all 3 <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> fuck <laughs> I don't know how long the Omen trilogy is. I didn't even know it was a trilogy because I knew there was, I knew the Omen, but I didn't know they kept making them. But I guess I was back in the you know '70s and '80s horror heyday where they were just cranked out you know a million. Have you ever seen the Omen or even? I know they remade it a couple years ago. At this point, a couple years ago it was probably ten to someone my age, but fifteen yeah. actually. Fifteen, great.
1: <laughs> I remember it was uh, June sixth, oh six, six six six.
0: Oh, of course. You don't remember that marketing no.
1: campaign? It still oh. stays with
0: me. No, I probably uh I probably was scared. But <laughs> I I did not see that movie. All right. We'll do a little dive on The Omen maybe next week cuz I've never seen it, but I did like their discussion about what he is cuz I didn't think The Omen was that uh ambiguous about it. I thought I guess I thought he was the son of the devil or something, but some people, you know, they they just think he's a helper or whatever. <laughs> And George can't keep doing this to himself. He said, I can't keep doing this to myself. Uh, And he can't nap at work because of that big window that looks out onto the hallway. And he's like, it's it's a shame because I love a good nap. Sometimes it's the only thing getting me out of bed in the morning. And George sounds like a morning show host. Yeah. Oh,
1: my God.
0: Uh, those are two of my two of my first thoughts waking up when I did have to wake up at 4 a.m. were often, I can't keep doing this to myself, and I can't wait to take a nap this afternoon. Sometimes <laughs> I would wake up thinking about the long-ass nap I was going to be taking. <laughs> like, oh, man, it's going to be a good nap I'm, today. I can tell. I'm, I'm going to nap so hard later. <laughs> yeah. Have, yeah have, would... you, have you ever purposely
1: not drank coffee to have a better nap? no
0: no oh. it, it almost has no effect on me really okay yeah it, it just yeah <laughs> just, like it, it just gets me to normal you know i'm like this is probably what normal people feel like and i could still pretty much fall asleep at any time but elaine is going on a walk through the park with a new gentleman caller as jerry calls him and we get a name right off the bat how which is good yeah. before we even see the guy that's nice and kramer comes in and he swam 200 laps in the pool And on his way to the coffee shop, he saw Conrad uh, going into Jerry's apartment, uh, another side character whose name we're getting before we even see them, and he's installing kitchen cabinets in Jerry's apartment, and Jerry has to, like, hold his hand through every little decision, so it's getting really annoying. Over at Yankee Stadium, George is napping behind this giant green book that had tape over the title. Did you see that? I don't know if I did. It looked like a big black... I couldn't tell if it was computer generated, or, but it, it looked because of the way it moved when he drops the book. Uh, it looked like a big black piece of tape that they put over it, so we couldn't see the actual title. Because it is referred to later as the American League Directory or something like that. Because Wilhelm oh, comes yeah, in yeah. yeah, looking for it. And he takes a book from George, which means that he can't nap behind it anymore. But even if... Like that's not a way someone who is awake and doing work reads a book anyway. He had his chin on the desk, and like you would sleep in chemistry class in in high in high school or whatever. Like, um, like no one reads a book that way. So he would have fooled nobody, even if, even if someone had been like, "Oh wow, George is really reading that book an inch from the book with his chin on the <laughs> desk." But then George notices a space under his desk, and the wheels start turning.
1: And I I was wondering at this point. George has a door and blinds. Why, yeah. does, why does he have to crawl under the desk? Close the yeah. door.
0: Shut the blinds. J- yeah, just normalize that for people. I can't imagine that it's a... Yeah, uh, you, you do
1: know. that for like a week yeah. when you're still in there working. Yep. And, and people aren't going to think anything of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Perfect. I, I did not notice the blinds. I I definitely, you know, I definitely saw the door, but yeah, I do not know why. Over at the park, Elaine is walking with Hal, and his, his conversation starter is, Twinkies aren't cooked, which kind of blew my mind. Is that true? I don't know if they're cooked or not, actually. Yeah, because Elaine brings up a good point. She's like, But she's like, they're brown on the bottom. He's like, it's just the way they're made to look. And I'm like, that's actually a really good point. And now that I'm thinking about it, like it, biting into it doesn't taste like a cooked, spongy cake. It's almost like a gelatinous substance. You're, yeah, you're right. I, I'm just going to put down... Are Twinkies cooked for the next, uh, for homework <laughs> okay. next week. i okay. I'm really curious. It's, it won't stop me either way from, cause Twinkies are delicious. Uh, I, have, I have no problem if they're not cooked. It's just cause they're obviously able to be sold. So they're not raw, but I, I'm just, I always thought they were bread or cake. And Elaine's like, oh, you know, why don't we sit on this bench? But Hal doesn't sit on park benches because they're bad for his back. He threw it out a while ago and he's been taking good care of it ever since. In fact, he buys all his furniture at, the ergonomic store. And Elaine remarks that they always have stupid names like back in business or good vertebrations. And he's like, not this one. It's called the Lumbar Yard.
1: He was so <laughs> earnest too when yeah. he said it. He's like, not this one. It's called the Lumbar Yard.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like wistful almost. Like, oh no, this one's different. The this lumbar one's Yard. different. <laughs> By the way, I also hate people who take a stand like that what is sitting on a park bench going to do? I understand. Don't sit on a park bench every single day for hours. You can't sit on a park bench on a date in a park. You know, like, I, I hate people who take a stand like that where they're like, I'm never, like, just, just pointless <laughs> convictions. Like, I remember one time I was at like a summer camp type thing with this guy and he was looking for toothpaste. And I had like a travel size toothpaste thing. And because it didn't have the ADA logo on it, he wouldn't oh, use it. My he, was God. Like, he was like, nah, man, I don't use anything that doesn't have the uh, American, whatever that is, American Dental Association. Yeah. <laughs> Like, sorry, it doesn't have the ADA. I was like, "What are you talking about?" It's travel size. They probably just didn't have the room. He's like, "No, nah, no, nah, I don't, I don't trust it." What I'm a like, fucking oh my. loser. Yeah, like you, you need toothpaste. This will fit the bill. But like, yeah, I just, I don't, I, I, hate that. I hate those like unwavering all or nothing, you know, convictions that people have sometimes. Maybe I have them too, but I've, I've never noticed. I, I like to think that I can bend every now and then on, on stuff, you know, like. <laughs> um. But yeah, so that would really annoy me about Hal. But the fact that he. Told me Twinkies are not cooked. I'm. I, I kind of like the guy so far. Anyway, <laughs> but the fact that he thinks the lumber yard is a good pe- a good, good pun. <laughs> you think I'd like it, but I don't. <laughs> Up in Jerry's apartment, uh, Superman is on the shelf, and Conrad is there working on the cabinets, and he's asking Jerry about every single decision from the hinges to the molding, just like stuff that Jerry doesn't have any knowledge of. That like the reason you hire a contractor for is to just handle those questions, but. <laughs> Uh, George comes in and tells Jerry about his discovery of being able to nap under his desk. And George asks Conrad if he could expand the area underneath the desk and and make it easier to nap under there, uh, which is going to be a night job anyway. And and Jerry wants Conrad out of his hair. So he's like, yeah, fine, go now. I don't care because he won't stop asking about all these decisions up in. Oh, uh, so we're still in the apartment. Uh, New scene, uh, new apartment scene. Jerry is on the phone with Elaine, who is worried about her furniture. Hal is coming over to watch a movie. And she's like, you know, what's better for your back? Uh, uh, You know, what kind of pillow? And she's like, maybe we'll just stand and watch the movie. (laughs) Uh, But then the doorbell rings and it's the lumbar yard and they deliver a mattress from Hal Kitzmiller to Elaine. So we even have the character's last name now. Yeah, this is unprecedented. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, which introduces a runner that I don't completely understand that we'll have to talk about on the way but um i guess it could just be another weird kramer moment but i just thought it was weird and unnecessary but over at yankee stadium george and conrad are discussing adding stuff to the desk like a drawer for a blanket and uh george
1: George and conrad are the exact same in this moment did you notice that
0: yeah about how like about how they're talking to each other, like, about, like, the way they're doing the measurements with their hands <laughs> yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> more like this? No, more like this. More like this? More like this. Yeah, it was it was well-written, like, snappy, snappy dialogue. Over. So it's, it's a new scene back at Yankee Stadium still, and it's morning, and the desk is finished right as Wilhelm greets George with a good morning. And it's at that point that George slips under his desk to uh, try it out. By the way, did you notice just how fast-moving this episode was? We're not in any scene for longer than, like, two minutes, it felt like.
1: Yeah, it was It was pretty, pretty
0: speedy. Yeah, I couldn't stop, like, okay, now we're here, now we're here, now we're here, like, we're back here. It, it, just, like, it, it was a very, very quick-moving episode, because uh, we're back in Jerry's apartment now, and... Kramer can't swim as long as he would like to anymore. Uh, you know, he just, his laps are at the pool are just his thing now because of the classes that take place in the pool, like aquaerobics and diving class. Uh, meanwhile, Elaine comes in and she is offended at the implication of dropping off a mattress at her apartment after one date, thinking that, you know, they're, they're just going to sleep together immediately. And she's just going to ditch the mattress. But Kramer wants it to replace his mattress, which sprang a leak. And Elaine's like, oh, I didn't know you had a water bed. He said, oh, it's sand. It's like sleeping <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> I, I really liked Kramer's line when
1: he's talking about like swimming because he said that uh, there were 35 geriatrics throwing elbows. And he said, it was like I was swimming through a flabby arm spanking machine.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a good visual. And I loved his sand mattress because sleeping on the beach sounds great, but then doing it for your actual bed does not sound great every That's, night.
1: That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. That but sounds lo- like a horrible idea.
0: I did love the idea. Maybe I'll put my sleep number bed on like 90 tonight just to see what it's like. <laughs> <work. laughs> I won't be able to move in the morning. <laughs> uh, um, so Conrad comes in and... It just you know, keeps on asking Jerry about every single little decision that he has to make. And Jerry's fed up, and he tells him to just finish it himself any way that he wants, but just get it done and stop asking Jerry questions. And Jerry leaves the apartment. Uh, back over in George's office, Steinbrenner comes in while George is still napping underneath the desk because he can't remember a the name of a song that George was singing or humming the other day. Except Steinbrenner is singing not the right lyrics, but he's got the first the first word is heartbreaker, and that's the name of the song as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know. And uh, so George is singing heartbreaker, so he he wants to know. And I loved the the made up lyrics like heartbreaker brewbreaker. <laughs> you know, like, I thought that was funny. And he had- yeah. And, you know, like every CEO of a
1: corporation decides to wait for one of the employees to get back because he doesn't have anything else going on that day.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so George is stuck there while he waits. But it's just another way they've made George Steinbrenner look like an idiot, though, which yeah, I always yeah. love. <laughs> like like he's a doddering – like I wonder – you know, if he was, how much he was like this, just like so clueless, as long as the money <laughs> kept rolling in, you know, and like there were other people pulling the strings that were making the Yankees a winning organization, and he was just this doddering old man singing Heartbreaker in the heartbreaker. I love at the end of this particular instance, um, the last line is run this prison like a man, <laughs> which is completely out of nowhere, but I loved it. Uh, back over at Monks, again, we're like already out of that scene. Uh, back over at Monks, Hal explains that the mattress he sent was custom-made, especially for Elaine's body type, uh, and he kind of took a, an estimate at her uh, measurements. He was like, what are you, 5'8", about 110? And Elaine <laughs> She's is, so flattered. Yeah. Elaine's very flattered, and she, but she, she knows she gave the mattress away, and so she kind of has to cover for that fact to Hal. But she... Mm-hmm. She's not flattered at the the gift and the custom measurement. It's just all about what he thinks she weighs. Is that it? That's it. Yep. That's the way it it played to me too, but um, yeah. Uh, Back over at Riverside, uh, or we're not back over at Riverside. We're at the at a Riverside location as a man and his son are looking through what do you call those things? A a viewfinder? What do you call Uh, those?
1: Yeah, I think so. Like Like the the, the quarter-operated viewfinders that are across like a body of water or yeah. a, a chasm from a fucking tourist location or
0: something. Yeah. Anytime you find an over a scenic overlook, there's going to be yeah. one of these things that you put a quarter in and you get to, you know, look, look through a pair of binoculars for five minutes or whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't know what to call them because when I think viewfinder, I think that 3d red thing that you put up to your eyes. Oh and, yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but anyway, the, the guy and his son are looking through one of those uh, and the guy is like, "Look over there. That's Brooklyn, where Spike Lee lives."
1: Just <laughs> so weird. I loved the kid sees Kramer swimming, but the dad's like, "Oh, that's probably just a dead body, son." You see, <laughs> yeah, when the yeah. mob kills somebody, they throw their body in the river.
0: Yeah, I loved how nonchalantly he explained that. Oh, what? oh son. <laughs> what,
1: what did you think of uh, the chroma key here, like, like the, the green screen effect?
0: Oh, of the the city on the other yeah. side. <laughs> I didn't think it was as egregious. I don't know. It, uh, was it did I, it look pretty bad to you?
1: <laughs> it looked bad. Um, the even later in standard death, even in standard death. Uh, well, I watched. I watched this on Hulu. Oh, that's um, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. This episode I watched on Hulu, but uh, the later scene definitely made me think of something. I'll, I'll get into it
0: when we get there, though. So back up at Jerry's apartment. Yeah, so Kramer is swimming in, in this river. Uh, back up in, uh, up in the apartment building, Kramer catches Jerry in the hall and tells him that he started swimming in the East River. And Jerry goes, you mean the most heavily trafficked, overly contaminated waterway in the <laughs> eastern seaboard? And I love Kramer's response. Well, technically, Norfolk has more gross tonnage. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was a hilarious fact for Kramer to know and just spout off the top of his head. Like, I, I just love... and. And that's the way he explains it, like, the East River is gross, and it is – maybe it's not the most heavily trafficked by gross tonnage, but it is – you know, like, I just love that that's the way he rationalizes it. Well, it's, well I mean, Norfolk yeah, has and, more gross tonnage, so you're wrong.
1: <laughs> what a hyper New
0: York joke, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he said, you know, he wasn't the only one. He actually saw a couple of other guys out there, and he was, like, swimming? He was like, well, they were floating, but, you know, they're out there. <laughs> so those probably, I guess, were – Dead, dead bodies. Yeah, dead mob bodies. Uh, and Jerry enters his apartment, and there is now a huge kitchen island that goes essentially from the ceiling all the way to the floor, where his small kitchen island was. <laughs> and so his kitchen is now enclosed with cabinetry. <laughs> In fact, I mean, Conrad moved the range and the stove and, and the fridge. The- And He moved the fridge and he moved the range and and took the oven out. He put a new range top up and now Jerry doesn't have an oven (laughs) because that fourth wall uh, countertop where the oven was is now gone, which is really (laughs) weird. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened to Jerry's oven, but it's, it's just been scrapped. Over at Elaine's, Kramer brought the mattress back, but Elaine, when she gets on it, notices it smells absolutely awful. Uh, over at Yankee Stadium. Steinbrenner has been waiting three hours for George in his office, and he gets up to leave and he says, No, no, no. I, you know, he really wants to know the name of song. He's like, I'm certainly not going to hum it for the guy at the record store again. What, <laughs> what record store employee didn't know Heartbreaker?
1: Yeah. Yeah, especially because you have the name of the song in the lyrics that are stuck in your head.
0: If you went in, hopefully, even if you go into an FYE and talk to somebody who just is just is trying to get paid and when like, hey, what's that song? It goes like, I'm a heartbreaker, brewbreaker. Like, oh yeah, sure, uh, Pat Benatar, heartbreaker. It's, uh, you can find it on this Greatest Hits compilation or whatever. Like, everyone's <laughs> going to be able to know that. <laughs> and his grandkids come in at that point, three kids and a dog. Oh and my God. and George uses the noise to pick up a phone and call Jerry, and we get a classic. This is one of those Seinfeld series runners <laughs> that I love, where he's like, "Jerry, Steinbrenner Center, I gotta." Who is this? I love the "Who is this?" Uh, that I, Jerry gives. Every I time, also, it's mainly when George is calling in a panic.
1: Yeah, yeah. I also love Steinbrenner. Like uh, He's doing this playfully, but again, it comes back to them making Steinbrenner look like a dotering <laughs> old man. Like picking yeah. up the kids like, who's
0: this? Who are you? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Who are you, hello, dog. NM? Hey, hey,
1: yeah. hey, girl. Hello.
0: Yeah. yeah, that was great. And so the, a kid crawls underneath the desk and says hi to George and George like <laughs> shoes him away. Then the dog comes up and starts licking his face and he tells Jerry to call in a bomb threat. And I, one of my first... Like genuine little chuckles in this episode was Jerry going All right, What do What do you mean bomb threat? What do he's like Jerry, just do it. I, I just love that <laughs> delivery by Jason Alexander in that in that moment. And so a woman runs in momentarily after that, reporting that there's been a bomb threat. And then Steinbrenner yells, "Quick, everybody, get under a desk." <laughs> <laughs> So we open at the stadium once again in Steinbrenner's office and Steinbrenner, of course, discovered George under the desk, but he doesn't think George was sleeping under there. He thinks that he has ESP possibly and knew that a bomb threat was going to be called in (laughs) and had been hiding under the desk, I guess, for three hours ahead of that. I don't know.
1: And and Um, without Georgie even saying anything, Steinberg's like, "Quick, what am I thinking about? Mm,
0: Meatballs. (laughs) You're good. Yeah, yeah. What?" Uh, And he says that the bomber. So Jerry was like, "Well, what do I? You know, I can't just call in a bomb threat for no reason. I got to have demands." And so the bomber requested that instead of cheap adjustable hats on on Hat Day, they now get fitted hats like the players wear on Hat Day at the stadium. And up in Jerry's apartment, Elaine uh, is telling Jerry. Elaine comes in, everybody's shocked by the cabinetry once they walk in. Everybody has different reactions. Like <laughs> they're trying to have a conversation on over the range top underneath this cabinet by like hunching over and Jerry's like again, much like getting a new HD TV in the early 2000s, convincing himself that this is fine. You know like, hey, see, you can see right through here. Like this is great. Like I'm fine with this. I like it, you know. Uh, this is going to work. But Elaine says a Kramer funked up my mattress. Uh Kramer comes in and he's like, "Oh man, I'm on the wrong floor again." <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I lo- I thought that was great. And, and he he still stinks and he's like, "You know, I think that East River might be polluted." <laughs> <laughs> uh George comes in and he delivers a, another I don't I don't know if this is a running gag, but I know we've heard this phrase a couple times. "Well, you really did it to me this time, Seinfeld." <laughs> Which I, I always love the delivery of that line. Because I remember back in the birthday card episode, George's boss, I don't remember his name, but he said that to him. Like, well, you really screwed me this time, Costanza. George even, like, puts his hand on, on cabinetry that was not there. <laughs> you know, he like he puts his hand up on the fridge. Like, there was nothing there before Before he notices all, all the change. <laughs> um, and George has been put in charge of Fitted Hat Day. So now he has to know the hat size. It's for 59,000 people. Uh, it, what if a pinhead shows up, as he says? I got to be prepared for that. And Jerry is still like, oh, cool, they're doing fitted hat day. And no knockoffs. I want the real ones like the players wear. <laughs> <laughs> but aren't there, like, just a set amount of fitted hat sizes anyway? And can't yeah. you just get 10,000 of each? Yeah, and that's if, anytime I've been to any, even a major league stadium that's having a promo day, it's like, not everybody gets the hat. The first 10,000 get a hat. And the first 10,000... 18 and up, get a hat. Like, there's so many. You know, exactly. I, I've never, there, there's, I don't know, there's if a I've few ever qualifiers for all these giveaways. Yeah. yeah. It's like you gotta, and then when you show up and they don't have the large or medium t shirt anymore and you don't want what's left, well, that's on you. You know, it's like, so yeah, you I you should have gotten think, there early. Yeah. I think a, a person as lazy as George should have been like, okay, we get, you know, we get 10,000 of these five sizes and that's it. You know, that, that'll be 50,000 if we want to do that many, which is going to co- call already cost, I mean, even at wholesale 10 15 dollars a hat you know yeah. i was like are the yankees going to make it make the money back on this <laughs> at the time maybe 10 15 dollars a
1: hat like a, a nice fitted hat i mean you and i have been to uh our fair share of midday ball games yeah. those hats are like 30 35 sometimes 40 bucks
0: that's why I was thinking, like, what if they what if you're buying fifty thousand of them? You know, yeah. what kind of price break do you get? Is, is it yeah, like ten or fifteen yeah. bucks, you know, at that point? And George tells Jerry to call Steinbrenner back and cancel the <laughs> fitted hat day. Say you don't want that anymore. And then Jerry's like, Can you just get a hat for me? And uh, we find <laughs> out Jerry's hat size, seven and five eighths. <laughs> so all Jerry wanted was a fitted hat. The one the kind of like it. the players wear. <laughs> yeah. He,
1: he should have just asked for a single fitted hat. That that could have been that, yeah, that could have been one, easily
0: arranged. One fitted hat. <laughs> over to Lane's, Hal questions why the mattress smells as he's in, investigating it over at, uh, or inspecting it over at Lane's, and she says that she went clamming. She goes clamming and scalloping sometimes, so that's why. Back at Steinbrenner's office, Jerry calls up. And they call him the, or, or George runs in, he's like, the terrorist bomber called back, and uh, he wants to talk to you. He's got more demands. And Steinbrenner's like, all right, fine, fitted hat day's canceled. What do you want instead? And then Jerry goes, well, it'd be nice if you call all the ticket holders on game day when it's going to be rained out. <laughs> and then Steinbrenner's immediately like, all right, George can handle that.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: And then George hangs up on Jerry saying, we gotta, we, got, we can't give in to these demands. we got to stand strong. But that was another great plan. Again, calling 59,000 people the day of the game. Hey, it's going to be rained out today. Hey, the, game, the game's rained out today. <laughs> what we had to do pre-internet, you had to, I guess, go to the game and find out it was going to be rained out. Out on the street, Elaine and Hal are walking, and they're talking about stuffed crust pizza, which I guess must have been a new phenomenon in in 97? Are we still in 97? I always forget. I got to start writing down the date. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're like... So I, I don't know... But I loved what Elaine said. It's going to be years before they find another place to hide cheese on a pizza. Well, I'm going I'm <laughs> to investigate the stuffed crust pizza, actually. I do want to know now. Because you know what's funny? I do remember the, the time after the stuffed crust when they found another place to hide cheese on a pizza. Do you remember the double-decker pizza? No. I think that's what it was called. It might have been called the triple-decker pizza. So it was like a crust, like a thin crust, and then a layer of cheese, and then another thin crust, and then all your cheese and toppings on top of that.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: So that does sound like three decks if we're talking cheese, crust, toppings, and cheese. So maybe it was the triple-decker pizza. And I forget who introduced it, but they did find another place to hide cheese on a pizza, and it was underneath the other cheese. And I remember the the thin crust that they'd put on top of the cheese had these little little holes in it, so I guess the heat could make its way up and and cook all the toppings uh, on the pizza. And they run into Kramer, and Hal notices Kramer stinks, And Kramer also does this weird little flirty thing. In fact, they both do it when he's talking about giving her spare key back because he used it to uh, you know, put the mattress back in her room. And so Hal now has suspicions about what's going on with Kramer and Elaine.
1: Yeah, like he uses his sultry voice and everything.
0: Yeah, it was weird. Like, I I got your spare key and uh, I'll find a time to give it back to you later.
1: As as soon as I can. Like Elaine
0: even goes like, ooh, baby. Yeah, it was... It was a weird. I've never seen them interact that way, so it was weird to do it. Like, I understand (laughs) we needed it for the scene, but it was like, what a weird way to tell somebody you're going to give them their. Like, it's not even an innuendo. No. I mean, it's not. I guess if he was inferring that, oh, I used your spare key to come in and sleep with you or whatever, like maybe that was the joke. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Maybe. I mean, like, (laughs) I feel like if if you're going to make it an innuendo, uh, imply like he's putting the key back in her mailbox. Like, Oh, I'll be over to put it in your box later.
0: Yeah, yeah, or, or exactly. something
1: like that, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll slip it in your mail slot later, or something, yeah.
1: Oh god. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so over uh, back at Yankee Stadium, George is napping under his desk uh, and his alarm clock rings and he, he he only woke up because it's time for lunch. Which I love. He won't he'll I, sleep through his I, work day, but not his lunch break. I love that. Like stands up, only thing he says <sighs> Lunch, yeah. <laughs> uh, and out on the East River Pier, we're on an East River Pier now, and Hal is confronting Kramer about uh, you know he's like you've been in Elaine's bed, and Kramer's like yeah that's right, uh, and he's uh, and he's like I forget what he asked about it happening recently or something. He's like oh you know he's like this is not still happening. And he's like oh no she put a stop to that, and and I don't know I feel like Kramer could have made this a lot clearer. You know like this is a threes company level misunderstanding where. <laughs> Saying you've been in her bed, even by Hal, he could have clarified that. I, I just feel like, yeah, this was a misunderstanding that could have been better written by you know IRL. I, I don't know. It just was. It just seemed too much of a like not working at the top of each other's intelligence. You know, it seemed like both of them had to play dumb for this to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess is is what I mean, and. He tells him that the East River, uh, you know, he's been swimming in there. His back feels great, and the East River chop is, is just great for his back. And, and Hal is, is interested now. Anytime there's anything good for your back, Hal wants in.
1: <laughs> this is um, the other scene that I was talking about uh, where, oh, yeah. like, the, the awful chroma key. This reminded me of I don't know if you've seen it, I know we've talked about it before the scene in the room where Tommy Wiseau comes up to the rooftop <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and anytime they're up on that rooftop, it's just so bad. Like the, the, the chroma key effect that, that is. <laughs> yeah, but th- yeah. This made me think, cause I, I think this was the thumbnail that Hulu used. Uh, unfortunately I can't go back and look at it now, but uh. I, I was wondering, I'm like, are, is there a scene where they're parodying the room?
0: Uh, <laughs> it can't be, that can't be true. Maybe Tommy was watching this and was, like, taking notes on directing. Like, yes. Oh, my God. All. Yeah, that's all you got to do. <laughs> the perfect backdrop. Back over at Yankee Stadium, we get a, I, we got an interesting shot. Speaking of taking directing notes, we get a shot from the hallway into George's office, which we've never seen that way before. Yeah. Yeah, we get to see uh, that the wall to his... To George, when he's sitting at his desk, the wall to George's left, I guess. And, yeah, just just an interesting shot as, as Steinbrenner uh, is looking for George again. And he hears the alarm clock ticking inside the desk. And he panics, thinking it's a bomb. Back over at Elaine's, she is moving the mattress out of her room. And she throws out her back uh, over in Jerry's apartment. <laughs> again, I mean, we're moving so quickly. Over in Jerry's apartment, Jerry is telling Conrad to put everything back the way it was Uh, And Conrad is put off by this and even takes a shot at Jerry for not being able to make a decision, (laughs) Uh, which is irony, plain and simple, comedic irony. Uh, And Elaine calls for help. Uh, She is stuck under the mattress, and Jerry has to go help her Uh, over in the East River Pier, over on the East River Pier. It is packed now with people because Hal told his chiropractor about the East River, and the chiropractor recommended it to all of his patients, so they're all there now. Including a little oompa loompa looking guy. Yeah,
1: <laughs> is is this the guy that comes by like with his with his cane and just yells "Step aside!" Yeah, yeah. And uh, like Kramer just clarifies, he's like, he just sunk like a stone, didn't he? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So so this guy
0: this guy's dead, right? I think he's dead in the East okay. River. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. <laughs> Back over at Yankee Stadium, the Bomb Squad is controlling a robot from Steinbrenner's office. Looking through George's desk, they open up a drawer that has a Playboy and some candy bars, which Steinbrenner refers to as empty calories and male curiosity, eh, Georgie boy? <laughs> <laughs> which was funny. And that, by the way, is one of those iconic Playboy covers of L. McPherson. It just says L. dot dot dot. And I don't know why that one in particular is just ingrained in my head. I don't even know if I've ever seen the inside of it, but I, I certainly <laughs> remember the outside of it. The bomb squad notices there's compartments underneath and so they have the robot has an arm with a chainsaw on it that begins Jesus. sawing through the desk and I'm like that is
1: the dumbest
0: <laughs> funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like how did it start the chainsaw? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Does it have another arm that pulls the the starting cord on it? M-
1: maybe it's a maybe it's an electric chainsaw.
0: <laughs> I guess it really <laughs> sounded gas powered, and I think looked <laughs> gas powered. But I guess that could be it. But I just love that the robot has a chainsaw <laughs> on it. I feel like that's so useful. You know, like just send it towards a uh, a bad guy, send it towards a criminal, and just you know. <laughs> uh, over in the East River. Kramer is is crowded out. Everyone's swimming around him. He can't swim his laps like he wanted to. Even Elaine is in there, and she is loving swimming in the East River, but kicks water in his face as uh, she goes by. And and that's pretty much the end of the episode, Uh, except we do get one last little bit in the apartment. George enters, and Conrad is there, and he heard about what happened to the desk. Then uh, Jerry comes home. Oh, I guess that's it, because Jerry comes home when no one's there. Uh, oh oh, that's right okay so yeah there's I think there's like a little fade or something okay so yeah and and George is like oh yeah no it was a shame It's because it was so cozy under there Jerry comes home and looks at the cabinets they have finally been put back he says not bad for four grand which is what he spent on nothing really (laughs) (laughs) have we ever talked about the fact that I guess Jerry owns this condo I guess he's bought you know he's like buying this apartment because why else would he do that much reno on it and Kramer too for that matter He's always yeah, renovating I, his apartment.
1: I have no idea i i I just kind of figured that he was renting it like everyone else in New York,
0: yeah, but no, it seems like both of them maybe you could put a hot tub or, or change your apartment into levels like Kramer wanted to do, but uh with Jerry like redoing all the cabinetry, I think that that'd be like just a waste of money if you were renting a place, you know
1: yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Take those cabinets with you when you move?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe this is a condo that you can actually like buy in. I don't know. And he opens the cabinet to put away some groceries. George is sleeping across the top shelf. Jerry does a double take. He opens up the cabinet, but it's to notice that he actually do- accidentally got the low-fat Pop-Tarts, and he does a slow comic burn as the episode completely ends. I thought this was very sitcom He really was like, I got the low-fat version. And he even like, <laughs> he Aww. does the facial equivalent of that sound. Yeah. Oh, boy. You know, I was like, I was like, did they mean to play it up that way, or were they like, no, it's got to be bigger, bigger, sitcommy, Big, more sitcommy, bigger Seinfeld, bigger. Yeah. Oh, come
1: on, it's not like, even ooh. genuine anymore. Bigger, really,
0: really play up this
1: slow comic burn. What um, what a product for Jerry to pick up from the store, though. I know. I, he's always <laughs> loved Pop Tarts.
0: Yeah, now it's happening—the Pop Tart movie.
1: <sighs> Man,
0: so All so right. that's good. What do we got for homework this week? Uh, the Omen. What's the deal with the Omen? Are Twinkies cooked or not? And when was stuffed crust pizza introduced?
1: Okay, and that's it. All right. What do you like for cover art this week? Hmm,
0: tough one. Something with something. It's got to be something with George and his desk. I don't know what, and I don't know if you could get a good shot of anything. But I feel like it's got to be something like that.
1: See, I what really like. I, I really like. There was a part in Jerry's apartment where all of them were in the apartment after yes. he had all
0: of his new cabinets. I forgot and, to mention how much I love when all four are in, especially Jerry's apartment. That's just great.
1: A, a, there was something like Jerry and George were shouting at each other that I, I thought looked good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because Jerry's when Jerry's asking for a hat, he's like, what size are you? He's like,
1: why are you yelling? He's like, I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably pretty good if you can get some of that. That's, that's funny.
1: All right. Uh, let's see what we can do with this week's description. Yeah. So we had, George discovers how to take a nap at work and not get caught.
0: What I'd get rid of as, and not get caught. Same. George figures out how to, yeah, that, that implies, that's implied with figures out.
1: Yeah, but he does get caught.
0: He does. That's the, that's yeah. the thing.
1: He gets caught almost immediately. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> like his,
1: his second day of napping.
0: Yeah. And do we need, I mean, Elaine and Kramer's storylines kind of intersect. We don't need Jerry in the cabinets. That was like... I don't know you could have cut the whole thing as far as I'm concerned although I guess I guess his story does intersect with George's because Conrad ends up doing some work for George but um, can we do anything with Elaine and Kramer's storyline Elaine I feel like you you do something like Elaine's Elaine's boyfriend is suspicious of Kramer or is that too little of consequence in the episode
1: mm, I feel like it's both of too little consequence and I feel like him being suspicious of her and Kramer comes way too late and there's really no payoff to that I mean there, there is in him not in him finding out that there is nothing between them yeah but there's no real stakes
0: yeah so do we need anything like Kramer finds a new place to exercise or Elaine, Dates a back conscious guy. <laughs> I don't know how you'd say that. I, I don't know what you would
1: add, though. Everything yeah. else, everything other than like George learning how to sleep under his desk, is almost so minuscule.
0: Yeah. Yeah, everything, I mean, for, not to jump too far ahead to the little review that we do, but even for a show about nothing, this episode had little substance, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I mean, because that's always been kind of a a, a misnomer, the show about nothing, because it's about everything, and and they deal with it in in a great, but like, this show was like, almost unrelatable in that aspect you know <laughs> yeah yeah um so i guess i'm happy with george figures out a way to nap at work and that's it <laughs> because okay. that's, yeah like you're like the whole episode is of such little consequence <laughs> that i guess I, that's where we're just gonna have to leave I, it
1: i i agree just chop off the last little bit and keep it
0: <laughs> yeah perfect
1: <laughs> all right uh well what well, then what did you think of of the episode.
0: I mean, I thought uh, as far, even as far as a baseline Seinfeld episode goes, it was below the baseline. It was, it was almost too quickly paced for me. And like, and like I just said, I mean, it, it just, I, I just didn't relate to anything in the episode. Like I sometimes do it. It didn't deal with really any, you know, they, they could have talked about napping at work without George inventing a new kind of desk, you know? Yeah. Like that just seems too absurd to me. I hesitate to say I didn't like it, but I only got a couple chuckles out of it and that was it. So Yeah, it's very... It may be the worst of the season. Let me say that.
1: Wow, okay. Yeah, Yeah, there are things I watch for, like, absurdist humor. Seinfeld is not one of them. Yeah. Seinfeld is built, from what I can tell, on very, like, low-stakes humor. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, they've been very petty, you know. Yeah,
1: but having a fucking gas-powered chainsaw on an (laughs) NYPD bomb squad robot... (laughs) Get out of
0: here. Yeah. It starts buzzing through the desk. And even that is like, I know the desk was destroyed. Maybe we didn't need to see it, but, but also, and we talked about, you know, episode resolution last week, but you know, we don't, does George get in trouble? I'd love to find out in this episode and not in a future episode because it, it's probably not going to be resolved. I feel like that could have been yeah. like well, Steinbrenner's like... reaction to finding it could have been a little addition.
1: Yeah. Even, um, talking about episode resolution, Steinbrenner says we're not going to use any desks from here on out there it's just going to be a lucite tabletop and four <laughs> legs if george has a desk going forward then it it hasn't been resolved
0: yeah but i guess you know he's not going to be able to to sleep under a lucite desk that that has just four legs and a lucite top cuz it's completely clear you know so i guess that's as much of a resolution but that wasn't because of the bo- that wasn't because of george napping under there that was because you can hide bombs in desks and oh, that that's right out. that's so, right so yeah, because uh, so there's not anything that happens when he discovers that there was a bed under there, as far as, as, far as I know. All that, make, all that means is George isn't going to be able to nap under his desk anymore, because it'll be see-through. <laughs> so, you know, I, again, maybe it wasn't funny. Maybe they couldn't think of anything funny for Steinbrenner to say once they discovered it. Or maybe they didn't have time, but, but geez, for, for an episode that had, like, these little 20-second scenes, I don't know, throw, throw something else in. And, yeah, it just felt, um, it just felt too phoned in for, for some reason for me for this episode. What, what did you think? I'm in the same I, that, camp. That, yeah, I, yeah. I'm in
1: the same camp. I, I mean, having watched it uh, right after the English Patient, I yeah. uh, def, definitely thought it was the weaker of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in the moment, I couldn't exactly pinpoint why.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's where I landed on it. Just you know, it it, it didn't as much as little of a story arcing overall series plot as Seinfeld has. This didn't advance it at all. You know, I felt like there was no development. in in any way yeah Um, yeah so i I felt like it was just kind of an extra episode
1: all right well next week uh we've got season eight episode 19 the yada yada original air date april 24th 1997 and if you're looking at tv guy that night you're gonna see george realizes his girlfriend's slang may leave out vital information is this the episode that
0: introduces that it is. I mean, what uh, what a reputation to live up to.
1: Oh, my God. I, I know. I thought we would have hit this so much earlier in the show. <laughs> there, there are so many episodes that are, like, huge in the pop culture world of Seinfeld that don't come until season eight or nine.
0: Yeah. It, it just goes to show you how on top they were when they went out, you know. Yeah, I like, guess so. The season could have lasted. Who knows how long the episodes could have run. Who knows how long the series could have run. As long as they were willing to let it suck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just goes to show you they were like they were still they were still cranking out you know quality content and changing the zeitgeist. Ted, even this oh, late God. in the series. <laughs> That's right. Uh, like it, I want
1: it, it. It definitely gets too meta sometimes whenever they're trying to like change the zeitgeist yeah. Be- because how many times have we remarked? okay, this was definitely a scene that was written to be water cooler fodder the next day.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think this is one of the uh, instances where when you see the scene, I think you're going to go, I think you're going to think it's lightning in a bottle. Like, oh, they couldn't have known that this was going to, you know, that they were going to write it this way. I don't think they could have known that this could have become something. I think they're just like, well, let's let's just do it. But I'll, it'll be interesting to see if it holds up. If it, if it lives up to its reputation as introducing a literal phrase into you know American lexicon
1: watch it be like the episode that introduces this incredible phrase everyone loves it but no one remembers that there's a character in blackface or something like that
0: (laughs) yeah or that it just sucks as an episode you know like what if the yada yada had been in this episode people have been like oh man I didn't remember that but that's why it stood out or maybe it will be a bad episode and that's why this little thing will stand out like well the episode sucked but the yada yada I'm gonna start using that you know by the way, I want uh, I want a Loki spinoff where I have to bring the universe back to the sacred zeitgeist. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> have, have you finally started watching Loki?
0: No, but I am. Halfway oh. through, no, but I am halfway through Falcon and Winter Soldier, so I'm right on track to finish that when Loki wraps up, <laughs> just like I promised. That's well, all I promised. You, <laughs> well,
1: well, since you're so far behind, I don't know if you saw this, but they changed the after credits scene of the Wandavision finale. What? Yeah.
0: Well, what should I. What happens?
1: You watch the finale, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, in the end credits scene, Wanda, like, sitting in the the shack, like, using her powers to flip through the books. Yeah. Uh, You didn't see this before, but now you see in the background, outside the window, there is a shadowy figure that descends down. Whoa. And the theory is that it is Doctor Strange to set up for Multiverse of Madness. Yeah.
0: And somebody noticed that that wasn't there and then watched it again and noticed it was that's insane yeah yeah <laughs> uh, god bless the internet for noticing stuff like that <laughs> but <geez. laughs> uh wow all right maybe that's on youtube or something uh, uh, all right is that it
1: yeah i think that's it
0: all right for no hugging no learning i'm tim murphy
1: i'm ted halliwell be good